Hi, welcome to Conversations with Musicians with Leah Roseman. In Episode 3, Season 2, I speak with Sophie Lukacs, and we get to learn about the kora, a beautiful 21-stringed instrument from Western Africa. During this conversation, we get to hear Sophie perform both traditional music and some of her original songs. The story about her fascinating life is very personal and inspiring, and I hope it will resonate with many listeners. This podcast is also available in video format, and the link is in the description of the episode. Please follow this podcast so you can be informed of all the new episodes with a fascinating diversity of musicians and their personal stories of a life in music. Hi, Sophie Lukacs, choral player. Thank you so much for joining me today. Hi, Leah. Thank you so much for having me. So I'm so glad you agreed to play for us and show us um, all about the Cora. So um, can you play something first and then later on we'll talk about how the instrument works? Yeah, sure. Uh, so this first piece is a traditional, traditional piece and it's called Jula Jegere. Thank you. That was beautiful. Thank you. So not everyone, uh, some people will be listening to the podcast format and they won't see what you're doing. Okay. So if you could describe a little bit what the instrument looks like and how you Sure, start. sure. Um, so for the listeners for, uh, of the podcast, I'll just talk a little bit about uh, the instrument I'm playing. 
Uh, so Cora has 21 strings and it's a diatonic and uh, we have uh, on the on the bottom so the closest to the person playing it we have the the C and then alternating and then the three on the top on the right so uh, and we're we're playing with our thumbs and our forefingers, and uh, basically the the left hand thumb is usually playing the accompaniment, and that is kind of going all the time. And uh, also with the right thumb, which is has like a little bit more liberty, and then you're playing the melody and improvising on top. So the song you just heard, obviously the. that's always going and those are my, the thumbs that are playing that um, so when you're starting out to learn I guess the difficulty is the melodies are quite simple in the in the, the traditional pieces you can catch those fairly simply with your forefingers but then integrating that with the thumbs that you know that are going all the time is a little bit more tricky and then the next level is of course is improvisation which has a huge role in, in, in the tradition of, of core players. And that's, uh, <laughs> yeah, that's a little bit, a little bit tricky. That takes a little bit, <laughs> a little bit longer to learn. So to follow up with the construction of the instrument, it's sort of a cross between a lute and a harp, would you say? Yes. I mean, it's uh, like historically and, you know, in ethnomusicology, it's written as a harp lute and mm -hmm. kind of African harp lute that dates back a little bit longer. It's from the 13th century. Could you hold up the body so we can see? Yes. It's beautiful. The palabas. And I have my mic. Mm -hmm. so it's heavy. <laughs> I have my mic there on the bridge. And yeah, it, it's uh, every, every, you know, every core is unique. Um, obviously the size of the calabas, they used to be much larger which uh, produces a much nicer sound. But, you know, as things evolved, like we're traveling with them, it's difficult to carry them on planes and with the huge calabasas, so they've, you know, they've become smaller. And there's even like little mini ones, which sound kind of terrible because like they don't, you know, they don't resonate. Um, and uh, the neck, Traditionally, they were leather rings for tuning, yeah. and uh, I guess in the past like 30 years, they, they started switching to guitar keys, tuning keys. The leather strings were incredibly difficult to tune. Can you imagine with 21 strings? Yeah. So you would try, you know, you're trying to, <laughs> to tune one up, and then they would like all slide, or one would slide, and you would spend hours. That's how I was initiated into. Okay. Uh, you know, into the, my core studies and then, no, I'm sorry, <laughs> I don't have the strength. It was also very, like, physical to, to move the, the yeah. I had heard that uh, tourists uh, would go to West Africa, hear the core, love it, buy it one, and then not be able to tune it when they got home. I'm you sure. Know, <laughs> it would just be decorative. Yeah, I'm sure, yeah, with the leather rings, I mean, 
yeah, it was very difficult, especially also, you know, not to, not to talk of the, when the strings break with the leather strings, with the, with the, with the traditional leather rings to change that. I mean, it's a, it's a whole process. You like stick this, you know, this sharp object to you mm -hmm. know, get some space and then, and then the whole, you know, kind of the whole thing is quite, quite complicated, but a lot of core players in Mali now use, um, use keys. So you just recorded and it'll be coming out soon. Your first solo album. Yes. My first, yes, my first, yes, it was a, it was a long, long time in the coming. I, I studied in Mali for six years and I guess I, I started working on the album about two years ago. Mm -hmm. And, uh, um, it's, uh, their original compositions, um, I guess, you know, influenced by obviously the Malian music and the traditional music, but also also classical music that I grew up in and you know I think it's a it's a using the Quora in a very different way it's um I think the hardest thing about about finding my voice with the Quora was that it's an instrument that is so rooted in the tradition and you know unlike the you know the piano or the guitar or you know even the violin it's you know we're accustomed to it being used in many different genres and the core is still very much in in the tradition um and so kind of taking it out of its tradition and trying to find my own uh, hmm. sound was very difficult but i think i i think i succeeded and and uh and you know i i recorded it in mali with some really amazing musicians and uh yeah, i'm really excited to share it with everyone. <laughs> Congratulations. And can you give us a taste of some of those tunes? Yes, of course. Uh, so this song is called Before You. And normally it would be played with uh, a bass, calabas, and jelly ngoni, which is like the, the banjo predecessor. So if you've seen like Bela Flex film. I did, yeah. Yeah. So. Without you, 
lovely voice. <laughs> Did you do much singing before you started doing songwriting? Um, well, I guess when I started um, the violin quite young, I was doing a lot of like orf and uh, like kodai and, and so okay. there, was, there was singing involved. Um, but I, I didn't, you know, and then I, and then I, I played the guitar when I was kind of 11, 12, 13, so I was singing. But I, I only started, I think, working seriously on it about four years ago and and uh, studying with different uh, coaches and, and teachers. Um, yeah, I think as an instrumentalist, especially with the violin and then this, it, was, uh, it wasn't like a natural transition. I always really wanted to mm -hmm. um, write songs and, and, you know, be a singer-songwriter, but... 
but yeah, it was it was definitely it was challenging. I think with the violin um, as an instrumentalist, like you can kind of hide behind the instrument sometimes, or any with I was, and so with singing, it was it was really kind of a making myself a lot more vulnerable, and with the songs I was writing too, so mm. that was challenging, but also like amazing as well because it's it was kind of the kind of the goal. <laughs> so when you first heard the Korah the first time live, had you heard it before in, in records or were you aware so, of it? Yeah, so my story goes back to 2008 actually and I was in Burkina Faso. I, I, uh, I was studying at Miguel University. I was not really sure uh, what I wanted to do or study, or I was a little bit uh, searching. <laughs> and I was uh, I was doing a program in like international development, and I had gone to Burkina Faso uh, for a few months, and that's I heard the core there, and, and I was introduced to so many like amazing Malian musicians. Um, and I became kind of obsessed with the Quora and and I, I wanted to start playing, but it didn't really seem realistic. And I think I also didn't have the the courage. Mm-hmm. I, I wasn't ready. And um, and few few years went by. I was studying to become uh, a doctor, and I wasn't really wasn't really enjoying it. I thought that's what I wanted to do. Um, and I was living in New York at the time and and I was kind of seeing the core everywhere and I thought <laughs> or maybe it wasn't everywhere my dad was asking me about this the other day I think it was just like I saw it twice and I was like this is a sign I need a lesson there was a, a concert at the Met Museum and it was a player from Mali Yakuba Sisoko and I went up to him and I said I I need I need a lesson and that was in 2013 mm-hmm. and I remember the first time I held the Quora, it was in his apartment in Harlem and after that I, I was I kind of knew right away like I needed I needed to play this instrument and I think it was I think I probably needed to play music again because I had I had, I had you know I had decided not to play the violin or continue you know playing professionally um, and so I think this was this was my way back to music and I mean what a what a way back to music so um so after that I I started I spent one year trying to take lessons in New York I didn't have a core I remember I I lived in Brooklyn and the teacher lived in the Bronx and we would meet like in in the middle in the city um you know I was like carrying the core around um I didn't have a case or anything. I was just kind of lugging this huge core around, and uh, where, excuse me, where would you meet? Like a park, or I mean, literally, we would we would meet. We would meet in the park. Once we met in Central Park, and then we like we met in the like an Alphabet City. We would just meet in the park. That was, you know, like kind of in the kind of in the middle, mm-hmm. um, and and then I I mean I I knew pretty quickly that I I really needed to go back to West Africa, mm-hmm. but I was a little, I, 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 I knew right away that I, you know, this was it, but I had a little bit of trouble accepting that because, you know, my parents, you know, thought I kind of lost my mind. I was, you know, going to be a doctor and now, you know, I'm, 
kind of playing the core or what is what even is this instrument they were a little bit worried and um and I and I was too I didn't really I didn't really trust myself I think or have the courage to make this kind of decision so I was I was kind of um you know kind of moving treading carefully and then and then uh Tumani Jabate he gave a, a master class in Paris and my mom said you know you have to go this is you know it's, it's too many and you know by that time I had by that point I had you know I think I knew every single one of his notes I had listened so much to the repertoire um, and so I went and he invited me to Mali and uh, and and that was it I was kind of a no-brainer um, and so I so I went and that was September 2015 really <laughs> You know, you talked about bravery. You're so brave to do something like that. And when I was looking, I was actually interested in interviewing a Cora player because I had some Cora albums and I've always loved that sound. And on this series, I like to talk to all kinds of different musicians. But when I saw your story and that you used to be a violinist and that you didn't grow up with this music of West Africa and you really immersed yourself and you learned Bambara as well, the language that's spoken in Mali. How, how is that said? Did I say that wrong? Yeah, no, it's right. Yeah, it's it's actually in Bambara. It's Bamaranka. Okay. But but yeah, I mean, we, yeah, we say Bambara. Yeah, we said it. <laughs> so that must have been incredible as well. I mean, it's a completely different language group from your other languages. Yeah, I am. Um, yeah, the language was really hard. I'm I'm pretty good with languages. I picked them up quite quickly, but Bambara was very difficult. I think you know, I obviously had no reference no references um and uh yeah i guess the the fact that i had you know quite a solid foundation in in music and classical music um well it was it was kind of double-edged sword i thought that i would learn the core very quickly mm-hmm. i thought you know if you play the you know playing the violin you you, you know you learn quite complicated he says you memorize it, you know. So, so um, in comparison, the mundane melodies seem quite simple, mm-hmm. but this is very deceiving, <laughs> of course, because you know to play any instrument well takes a very long time, and 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 the chora, you know, is its is its own kind of you know beast or its own you know like every instrument has its own. Um, you know, kind of special challenges. Yeah, yeah, and I, of course, completely um, underestimated how challenging it would be. Not only was I learning a new instrument, a new musical culture with completely different like idioms and you know everything. I was living in a completely different environment, so it was like. It was like everything you knew. Okay, you kind of put that aside because it's not you know you can't you can't really use it here. And um, you know, in hindsight, it was it was an, you know an, an incredible experience, and um, you know, which taught me so much. I thought I was going to learn about the core, but really, it was you know it really changed my life. Um, but it, yeah, it was it was very challenging very challenging just uh you know kind of the 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 physical climate 
or the geographical climate um, in and of itself in Mali. It's, you know, the sub-Saharan desert. It's very, very hot. And, and uh, yeah, I, yeah, so we're kind of all like the physical ailments of the typhoid and malaria and all of that in the beginning. It was kind of nonstop. Um, and, then, and then the challenge of trying to learn an instrument which doesn't the pedagogy is completely different from classical music so here you know you kind of go through the school or you do the suzuki you do the grades one to ten and um and there are teachers and everything is there there's there's not really kind of this like air of secrecy or that it's you know anybody can learn to study the violin Mm -hmm. and with the Cora because I think well, you know, it's quite it's quite complex, but it's you know, it's there are no partitions, it's all oral. So especially in the beginning, you need teachers. You really need teachers to pass on the knowledge and to show you kind of the basics and um and so so yeah, there's no there's no school, there's no conservatory, you just kinda have to, you know, immerse yourself in the media and kind of find the teachers who, you know, you like their style, they can, you know, they maybe have a good way of teaching. So it's all of this very informal, um, um, you know, kind of community that's kind of have to figure it out yourself and you know there was nobody who was nobody could really help me because uh, you know other other people hadn't really done you know this intensive study I think in in the Quora so I think most people uh, most people I know who play the Quora go for a few weeks and then return home and I said no, I want to learn it, like everything, you know, I, I want to master it. And it's, you know, so I, I treated it kind of as a conservatory. You know, I'm going, it's going to be the Cora, only the Cora all the time. And um, so, you know, I think the advantages were I was, you know, completely immersed in it. And, uh, you know, I learned I learned how to speak Bambara, not fluently, but enough, you know, to get by. And, um, but... Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, you know. So there were the advantages and the disadvantages. It 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 was also incredibly isolating at times. Like, yeah. So. And you um, were there during the pandemic, the beginning of the pandemic as well. Yeah, yeah. And so I was there last. Yeah, I was there for a year last year, and that you know by now you know I I have uh, you know good friends, and I it's it's very different from when I first arrived. <laughs> Um, and, uh, yeah, so it was quite different, but, um, yeah, the, I was there this year and I was mostly working on the album and, and uh, doing other things. I teach a lot. I teach like Pilates and do yeah. <laughs> this stuff. Yeah. And then, are, are you teaching the Cora as well? I have, yeah, I have, uh, I have some students, some women students a little bit all over the world and, and they're. Yeah, I've had a uh, uh, Malian students who come sometimes to the house, or um, yeah. So that's that's actually really nice. I really love teaching. 
interesting. Mm. Yeah. And let's talk about the violin. So that was your first instrument? Yes. It was my first instrument. Uh, it was three, four. And uh, yeah, I, I mean, I grew up in a very musical family. We have a lot of... Um, a lot of musicians in in Budapest and and uh, um, I my mom took me to see a lot of music a lot of classical music and I saw this incredible Hungarian folk band called Muzikash and if anyone is listening they should look them up they're they're probably the best Hungarian folk group they're incredible and they were playing in Toronto at the Ashkenazi music festival and they were I mean and I told my mom that you know I want to I want to do what that guy's doing it looked you know so fun of course then <laughs> the classical repertoire was not always as much fun as how much they made it look um but yeah so I started I started studying uh, classical and 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 played in orchestras up until up until Miguel I played in orchestra there as well and then and then I you know, took a, I guess, a few years break for music, although I, I guess I never really left, never mm-hmm. really left music, and, uh, yeah. Were you playing violin in different styles when you were, like, a teenager? Um, so it was mostly classical, um, and then a little bit of, like, Celtic, mm-hmm. um, in the summers at, 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 um, at camps, at music camps. But uh, not Hungarian music at all? Um, uh, that came later on. No, it was it was really like kind of pure <laughs> classical. Mm-hmm. Um, and then later, uh, I guess later on when I when I started playing the chora was when I mean I guess this sounds kind of ridiculous to to some people, but it was probably when I first realized that I could improvise on the violin and I didn't need to just play classical mm-hmm. music. And for me, this was like wow, this was <laughs> a revelation. Um, and so I I started playing, I started learning a lot of the Hungarian folk mm-hmm. music. And, and when I first started playing the choir, when I was first in Mali, I was playing the violin, um, but but then I kind of put it aside because I really wanted to concentrate on the choir. Um, yeah, but I hope, I hope to start playing the violin again. Mm-hmm. Um, I would like, I mean, not I hope, I would like to, but... At some point, yeah. Sophie, do you think that because you were learning by ear so much, your time in Mali, that then when you went back to the violin, it was easier to just trust that you could play by ear? Um. Y- yes, I think. I think it was also. I think that's part of it, but I think when I when I even before I went to Mali, I remember, I, I took I took my violin out and I was playing along with like. Ali Farkatoui was a legendary um, Malian guitarist. I think it was also like rediscovering the incredible joy of music and that um, I had maybe, you know, lost that a little bit with the violin, um, thinking, you know, I, I, I had to play classical music and if it wasn't, you know, good enough, then I, you know, then I... I couldn't play the violin or and so I think um in many ways the chora and the way I learned it and the way they learned it it was so so different so kind of opposite to the mm-hmm. the way I studied classical music it was really liberating and uh 
Yeah. Uh, no, I just remember I was I was I I've been in Mali for a few years and I was playing a a, a concert with this incredible uh, balafon player um, who who, who uh, actually tours with the Kronos Quartet. He's part of a trio of Malian musicians who play with the Kronos Quartet, and they, it's an amazing collaboration. And and we were playing, you know, and and in in Mali, in the you know the, the often you're playing, you take turns soloing, improvising. And he was like, "Okay, Sophie, like Vazi," and I was like, "No." And I I think I started playing a solo of like Tumani or you know one that I had memorized. And he was like, "No," he's like, "Like Zhu," and I was like, "No, I can't. I can't. It's not you know." And uh, and that that was kind of a that was kind of a breaking point for me where I realized, okay, it's now or never, you know, I have to let go of this, these ideas of, you know, perfection and playing these kind of pre, you know, composed melodies. You really have to, you have to improvise. And that was, that was incredibly freeing as well. <laughs> yeah, that's wonderful. So a balafone is a, with mallets? Yes. Yeah. Wooden, uh, like, I guess kind of like the xylophone. I got um, as old as the Kora, and they are the pentatonic, but also diatonic, like the really huge ones. I think they're two, uh, two rows. Um, yeah, originated in Guinea, also mm -hmm. now. Like in Mali. Is that instrument featured in? You mentioned the Bela Fleck movie, "Throw Down Your Heart." Was that the instrument featured in there, where the whole village puts together this huge? instrument and it's in two rows that I remember I can't remember I watched it quite a long time ago but but uh I can I can send the link and maybe we can post it um maybe the yeah. the album with uh with Kronos is, is a really nice introduction yeah kind of a bridge between classical yeah so in terms of violin is there why do you think you didn't pursue violin professionally oh my god <laughs> biggest regret of my life you know what? I mean, to be perfectly honest, I was not mature enough when I was a, a like youth, and I really loved I really loved music. But uh, I mean, the real answer is a bit is a bit longer. I don't know if it's. Um, I think so. I think if we had stayed in Budapest, I would be a violinist. When we grew up. Um, grew up, we emigrated to Toronto and I, I felt a little bit as an outsider, you know, um, in the, in my, at my school and community where I grew up, there weren't a lot of, there weren't a lot of people who played music at school and it wasn't really considered like cool. And I loved orchestra on the weekends. It was like mm -hmm. really my favorite, um, you know, part of the week, but I think I was so kind of influenced by by my peers, mm -hmm. and um, and I really wanted to fit in, and so I wasn't really able to embrace classical music or music. I think I loved it, and I was, you know, I think I had a really good ear, and my my mom saw that, and she really kind of fostered and encouraged that but you know it wasn't enough you know it's a you know it has to <laughs> it has to come from 
from you and I think I wasn't I wasn't ready so um it was during university when I think I really really started to dive into in, into music and really kind of listen and have the the patience to really hear it I think I was I was a little bit too um too busy worrying about what other people were thinking of me to to be able to to be a musician at that point mm-hmm. it's the truth yeah yeah I mean I I kept it a seat like no one I don't think people really knew in high school that I played violin like it really? was yeah I understand completely yeah. and it's very lonely right the hours you have to put in and yeah. the yeah. uncertainty about the future if you're following this path to be a classical violinist that it's yeah. very competitive and yeah I mean I think I wasn't even really I didn't even really get to that I was I was kind of like yeah, I, yeah, I, I had my my teacher when I was ten. She was like, you know, she's, she's so talented. She, you know, she really, you know, she could go to Juilliard. I think my mom was like, well, but for me, I was like, you know, I'm, I'm like a soccer player, and I'm, you know, I'm more interested in being, being popular, and, um, which is, you know, that's, that's really kind of how it was at that age, and, um, yeah, it's. I used to have a lot of regret about it, but. You know, I found my way back to music and... It's a big way, yeah. Yeah. I think like so many choices in life, you're always giving... Every time you accept something, you're giving something up at every turn that we take in our lives. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I think... I think, yeah, if I... You know, if you're happy with where you are, you know, in in your life, the, you know... The regrets don't really serve any purpose. Oh. And so I'm going to play a song called Falling. And uh, that is... <laughs> Too many days apart 
Thank you. They they seem like um, very personal songs. Are you? Do you want to speak to some of that or not? Oh, um, uh, yeah, sure. I mean, yeah, I think. Well, I think art is always personal, most of the time, and uh, um, anyway, my my process of writing music is and. Uh, yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know that there were uh, songs that are, I I think, like universal in their 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 pain or in their beauty. And I think I think it's I think there's a reason why like ninety five percent of songs are written about love. Um, so yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so so back in Montreal, um, you're, you know, you're playing some gigs. What's the scene like for West African African music and collaborations? Oh, this is a really good question because it's what I'm trying to figure out right now. Um, and also, yeah, just w also with with my music. Um, I used to believe that I had to play with West African musicians if I'm playing the choir. And I guess it's kind of been, a, it's kind of, it's been a journey and it's evolved. Like I, 
I I believe that less. I I um I think also the the this the like the more confidence I have as a musician, I think I'm less um stuck in these like paradigms like well if I'm playing the Quora, you know, I need I need to be playing with a like a Malian or a Senegalese. Of course it's it's great, you know, I, I love playing in Mali, but when I'm here I think I think uh, I think the music music needs to evolve and like cross barriers and um, so I play with a lot of different musicians and uh, I'm trying trying to kind of figure out the formula for for my group and how to show the album in Canada and right now it's with a, a Cuban and a Hungarian. Cuban percussionist and a Hungarian cellist. Mm -hmm. So, um, um, yeah, uh, I mean, there are, there are lots of wonderful musicians here, and you know, the the like kind of world music scene, and there's is pretty strong, and there's you know, there's there's some great musicians from Senegal and Mali, but but I'm also interested in yeah, in, in like exchange and like collaborative um <laughs> process and i think that can come from i can come from anywhere mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> wonderful yeah. yeah that's beautifully expressed sophie well i want to thank you so much for this conversation today and uh playing for us would you have any final words of advice for like a young person who is kind of on the path that you were on at a crossroads you know trying to you know, f find something completely different musical. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I, I, I guess it sounds a little bit cliche, but like just, you know, listen to your, your intuition or your, your gut. If you feel strongly connected to an instrument or a type of music, then you should you know you should pursue it and don't worry too much about you know how you know how it's going to work out and i think art art cannot really like thrive with all those like kind of um uh, like limits or they meet and you just have to you know i think you just you have to keep keep doing it and keep playing and and you know keep searching and and uh that sounds like terrible advice <laughs> but you know trust your yeah just just I think keep coming back to why you you know why you started to play music or why you're you know why you're connected to the music and and it, and it should work out <laughs> that's great advice okay well thank you so much thank you Leah thank you so much Season one of this podcast had 20 episodes, and season two continues with a really interesting mix of musicians talking about their lives and careers with perspectives on overcoming challenges, finding inspiration and connection through a life so enriched with music. Please follow this podcast wherever you listen to podcasts to be informed about each new episode.